Hello again and welcome to another episode of the Noisy Hadger podcast. I'm Hadger. How are you? Can you tell I'm tired again? I'm a little bit tired again. I, um, again, I've had a busy week, but it's been another lonely week. Curtis uh, had to last minute go to Austin for the US Grand Prix. So he's been there since Tuesday and he'll be back on Tuesday and so, you know, when you're like, oh, I'm going to really enjoy time alone, but there's just something about when your surroundings aren't quite right. Like I love my home, but where I live, it is just my flat. You know, I walk to Saint, I walk to, uh, to Asda or I walk to the station and that's kind of it. And at least when I lived in London, you know, there's, I know the corner shop guy, I know the the takeaway people I know but basically all the people who give me food I know the coffee shop owners and and you're seeing people every day and actually where I am um I'm not so I'm really we are thinking about whether it's time to move back to London um sort of at the end of this lease and beginning of next year because it's funny isn't it but at the same time I don't want to have all these crazy expectations of London because it has changed people have changed how we socialize has changed we are, I think, a bit more insular and isolated than we were, I think. Um, so I don't want to sort of think, oh, if I move back to London, I just won't feel lonely. Because um, it's not necessarily that I feel... I don't feel lonely. It just feels quiet. You know, when life feels quiet. And um, and obviously that can be very good sometimes. Uh, but it can also... Yeah, you know, are we meant to... Are we meant to be alone for that many hours in the day I don't know like today I haven't you know I've seen faces on a zoom call and I've been to Asda um but yeah I don't know but it's fine I'm I'm trying to make the most of it I mean obviously I'm talking about being lonely I did go to work the last uh two two or three days no yeah I mean Tuesday night was comedy night Wednesday was in the office Thursday was in the office and today I have been getting some work done so it's not like this crazy quiet uh you know lonely sad place it's just um yeah I don't know if I've discussed before about how my life has never really got into a rhythm I think and now that we're thinking oh well we'll probably move out of out of Woking you think oh is it ever gonna get into a rhythm and you know and my uh, landlord came around today with his wife and they were saying how he had commuted for 17 years and I was like wow how do you I mean, that doesn't necessarily mean he lived in the same place for 17 years, but um, just to know that your Monday to Friday structure is pretty much the same for that length of time. We're just a fucked generation, aren't we, really? I think millennials, we were sold a, sold a lie by Tony fucking Blair, whose son, incidentally, is now trying to sell a load of kids the other lie. Oh, it's not another lie. It's apprenticeships and everything, but it's probably the lie that you don't need to earn as much money as you're worth. Uh um while you're young I don't know I don't know enough about it but it is interesting that it's worth 150 million and I always loved that there was a um there was a times headline uh, I think it was times two it said how a prime minister's son became a multi-millionaire business owner or whatever and it's like how indeed would a prime minister's son manage to do that of all the people how possibly could it be the Prime Minister's son? Anyway, I'm not feeling bitter. I am due on in a few days, which is relevant information to everyone. And I, uh, this will usually make me not great. So it'll make me feel quite depressed, but I'm I'm hanging in there. 
I'm also off my meds. I took meds from last Friday to Tuesday and Wednesday. I thought I'm not going to do this anymore. Um, I'm not doing it. It affects my eyes. For the second month in a row, I was absolutely terrible at comparing. And yes, 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 there is an element of me that gets anxious sometimes and possibly isn't the most rehearsed or whatever, but I'm not used to the personality that I put out there. I'm not used to seeming like that person behind the mic. Um, I'm not going to say it was completely embarrassing and I'm too, I, you know, I just, I don't get that embarrassed anymore by those sorts of things. Um, but I was kind of trying to lean into the fact that I was a little bit, you know, ditzy, not ditzy, but scatty and that I couldn't follow what I was saying. So I'd literally start a sentence and forget where I was by the end of it. But more so than kind of normal, it was like I would go up with the mic in my head, tell myself to say, look, you just need to tell them how the night's running this, this and this. And I would get like a third of the way through that. And then I'd remember the next bit when I next went on. Um, anyway, so I was speaking to the headliner afterwards, um, a comedian called Tom Horton, who was great. And um, he was basically saying how, yeah, I shouldn't be looking at myself like someone who just introduces the comedians, which is not how I look at myself. But because of how the last few months have been, you know, busy and I haven't really, I haven't been able to yeah, practice or get any stage time in any way. Because at least when you do like actual stand up, that does prepare you for the emceeing side of stuff. But I haven't done any sort of gigging, really. I was going to do a gig tomorrow, um, um, which I think is, is it's a good job I cancelled it, like a singing gig tomorrow night. Um, it would have been nice, but I can see myself getting too tired. So I cancelled that because basically after Tuesday night, um, I uh, realised I have four weeks to do this comedy work in progress show and I have not really got a proper thing together for it so yeah anyway that's why I'm off the ADHD meds now I'm thinking fuck it I'm not doing it I'm gonna try and get some coaching I'll just have to make it work I will just battle through now I've got this structure to my life um, and I know how to be in a full-time job again and to just ride the waves and not beat myself up so much when I have you know a bad day or whatever so I'm doing that. And then, yeah, the comedy thing, I decided tomorrow is the day I'm just going to get writing, get cracking on it. Um, like I've got lots of material and, you know, a, a decent amount of it I've practiced. It's just putting it behind a theme. I just need to think three 10 minute chunks. That's all it is. I've already probably done. I think I've got about 20 minutes of general stand up that I'm kind of happy with. Um, so, yes, it'll just be a challenge. And if I can get 20 people to come that'll be good out of the 50 tickets that are available so I mean let me know if you want to come and see me experiment for the first time there's also the two mouth men who will be um splitting the bill with me they are awesome they're beatboxy musiciany comedians um and they're very very funny so that is it's Monday actually Monday the 21st of November um and that's at the hen and chickens I think it's like at 7 30 or 8 o'clock so the Hen and Chicken's in Islington, which is right by uh, the big Islington roundabout. Well, it's not quite a roundabout anymore. But yeah, Highbury and Islington, Hen and Chicken's, Monday 21st of November. Um, I think there is a link. Oh, my, maybe I'll, I'll put the link in my profile, actually. Why not? I need to update my website. God, there's so much to do. I'm behind with all this podcasting, although I'm lining up a couple more interviews. Honestly, this job, I think it's going to take a lot of energy not necessarily like ongoing, but it's just that the setup, isn't it? You know, you want to get off on the right foot and I don't want to miss the opportunity or waste 
waste these first few weeks while there's not much pressure on me. You know, I don't want to not, um, yeah, not start it out right. Uh, yeah, so that's also why I've stopped the ADHD meds because I just, my communication when I'm speaking to people, it's felt really on edge and I felt really like crazy anxious and nervous and just worse than I've ever been and not confident and not my best sort of self. Like, I don't think growing up people would never have called me unconfident, even though obviously was on the inside. Um, but yeah, these meds just make me feel shaky and I'm not sure I'm, they're boosting my productivity that much. Um, we'll see. Um, yeah. But this week it's been nice. So I, I got to meet someone new on uh, Wednesday night, which was lovely. I won't uh, say your name, but it is someone who um, reached out to me after reading my piece in The Independent. And we had a we had a nice drink in King's Cross on Wednesday night. And it was absolutely lovely. Um, she's a woman who's sort of got a similar Muslim background to me. Uh, not Iranian, though. Um and yeah, we just shared experiences. And one thing I was thinking today, you know, when, you know how in relationships, especially romantic relationships, we, we will re, you know, we'll repeat patterns. We'll, we'll find people that remind us of our parents or whatever. And also in our friendships as well, we re replay these patterns. And I've noticed, especially when I talk to people who I think I have the gist of, that I don't listen properly. I don't pay attention properly because I think I have this intuition about who they are and what they're talking about. And I'm trying to connect. So I'm trying to like jump the gun about things they're saying. And this person I met on Wednesday night, um, I just found myself, like there was no blueprint to her that I had met in my life. There was no sort of personality, a similar personality or anything. And so I felt super, super engaged. You know, when you're actually just listening to someone, you're paying attention um, and they're not bringing out any positive or negative triggers. It's just, wow, I'm really interested in this conversation and getting to know this person. So that was, that was super nice. Um, and it is like, if I could just, if I could just try and do that in more conversations, I guess, if we could do that, even with the people we know, people we know really well, imagine if we could start every day afresh, every conversation, just, with that same interest um, and curiosity and, you know, that kind of, who are you? Who am I talking to? Um, yeah, no, anyway, that was, that was just the thought. So um, I've got nothing mega to talk about. I realise I'm just probably saying similar things on a weekly basis. But today I'm going to share a podcast, um, an interview with my wonderful friend uh jen or jen willis jones or jwj as we call her and also we call her fabulous jen because jen is fabulous jen she always has been i met her when i was 21 22 we were applying for a master's and we bonded um at the interview there was like an open day thing and it was quite funny it was for um what was it the the, the broadcast journalism masters at city university which was quite a well-regarded master's um, uh, by the by, I got offered, uh, another place on like their creative documentary making course or something like that. And then I couldn't afford it and didn't know that. Yeah. So anyway, that's, that's how I didn't do a master's, uh, when I had the first opportunity to, um, cause I didn't understand money or loans or credit cards or anything like that. But one brilliant thing out of this was that I met Jen. Um, and so we've now known each other for, oh my gosh, 15 years best part of 15 years 
And Jen is half Spanish. She um, speaks Portuguese and Spanish and a bit of French and um, do have a funny story from when we were in um, at a restaurant in in Piccadilly and these French men were trying to speak to us. And we started speaking a bit of French to them. And at one point, Jen just switched between, switched from speaking French to speaking English with a French accent. And she had no idea. So she was just like, and I actually uh, do, do for work is uh, this. And it was, uh, it was very funny. Um, so that's one of the yeah fun stories from our early 20s, fun memories. Um, and yeah, she's super intelligent. I remember on her Facebook profile, she used to describe herself as seriously competitive Um, But what I take that to mean really from, I mean, she is, but she has such drive and motivation and she's such a polished individual, but not in this kind of fake way. She just takes care of herself and she takes care of the things that matter to her. And I love that. And I've always, always just admired that. Um, And I always remember Jen saying to me, and I think it was something maybe that was instilled by her dad or, or maybe both her parents, that have a bad day, fine, but you are not allowed a bad week. So if you've had a bad day, you go to sleep and that is over. And the next day you have a good day. And it, I know that might sound obvious to a lot of people, but for me, my bad days can turn into weeks or months or whatever. And I just love that. It's that you go to sleep, you wake up, it's a fresh day, you get on with your routine, you wear good clothes. And um, and I don't mean this in a superficial way. It's just you do the things that make you feel good and that show that you care about yourself and your life. And so Jen, in within this podcast, we talk mainly about her travel because she, well, it's a bit of a general chit chat, but it's a lighter, lighter podcast than the others I've done. Um, and she's just joyous. Um, we just always have such a laugh. Um, Jen's a journalist as well. It's worth saying she's been, um, so she didn't end up doing the Masters at City. Um, I think she did her Masters at Westminster or something like that. And then she um, has been a journalist for, yeah, 14, 14 years. And um, her, it's funny because when you ask her about her job, it sounds like it should be dull because it's in quite a specialist area. It's like, um, uh, are they called trade publications, I suppose? Are they called trade publications? I don't know. Yes, they are. They're called trade publications. And um, But it's really super in-depth about um, fertilizer markets and it used to be dried fruits and all that kind of thing. And to be honest, every time she tells me what she does, I forget which which field she's in. But her job means she gets to travel all over the world and it sounds so, so exciting. Um, And yeah, so that's, we're just talking a little bit about that and I hope you feel energised by her um, as I do every single time I chat to her. So we start this podcast talking about my sun moustache. Uh, melasma it is I think is the term so I've had a sun moustache for a few years and we talk about how on her advice I finally bought some cream to fade it but in the process somehow and I think looking back it probably wasn't the cream that did this I've somehow managed to when we're on the call my eyes around my eye bags are completely red and blotchy and look horrendous so that is the point at which this podcast starts and I, I really hope you enjoy it. I had a wonderful time recording it with her. So this is me talking to the fabulous JWJ, Jennifer Willis-Jones. I did, I took a step. I took a step to sort the moustache out and I fucked up my eyes in the process. So there's my lesson. Oh, I'm sure it didn't say it in the, I'm sure it said nothing about it. It was a very easy, like a, a short lot of instructions. Maybe, you know, what? I'm, I bet it's in my email. 
I bet it's in the first email and obviously I don't, you know, look at emails very well. Um, yeah, and I bet it will be there. Your consultation is complete. Here's your very own hyperpigmentation thing. Custom formula. Mm-hmm. Um, retinoid. Improves fine lines. Da, 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 da. Melanocytes by inhibiting the enzyme. Blah, blah, blah. Spots and freckles. Da, 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 da. Da, 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 da. Hyperpigmentation. It does not say anything about my eyes. And then the thing I got literally just gives me the application thing. <laughs> okay, so every night when I use my tretinoin, I always do moisturizer goggles, a thin layer here, and always a thin layer here and here. Now, obviously, for you, if you're trying to get rid of hyperpigmentation, that you're not putting moisturizer there because that would affect Can penetration. You say pe- but pepper pigmentation. Hyperpigmentation. Well, you said pepper pigmentation, which would be. <laughs> pepper pigmentation. We're rebranding. Right. So uh, so by moisturizer goggles, you literally just mean like a circle of moisturizer or a... Yes. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, it doesn't have to be, you don't have to be like, you know, going like this in the tub. <laughs> it's just kind of like a thin layer, just so that when the active kind of comes up, it doesn't penetrate I mean, like this area. Yeah. It just allows it. I mean, the thing is, you can take a retinoid up there. You just need to allow it time and you have to do it gradually otherwise it can just be too much for the under eye area and then of course you have to wear spf 50 every i do day. i do do that using I, I do do that i've got the helio helio helios one whatever oh, helio care thank you spanish brand only because hannah told me that was what she uses oh spanish brand very good yes <laughs> represent yeah i use i use one called um the name is awful it's called sun forgettable but i absolutely <laughs> adore it it is cosmetically elegant wow See, if I um, if I didn't have friends just literally telling me, I only use what my friends tell me to use. I have no idea and no interest. Like I can't research this stuff long enough, and I get um, I get very sort of, oh well, I'm sure it's fine. We're going to get older anyway, and who knows what effects, whatever. But then I look at your face, and I'm like, oh well, that is what actually caring for everything does. Yeah, but you look, you look divine. I look all right. Also. I've suddenly, and I don't know whether this is the medication I've been taking. These have got deeper. I think I might have pointed this out earlier. Um, a few weeks ago Curtis noticed it um my eyes are starting to sink so it's the tear um tear bit there tear trough or whatever it is literally just mm. a little bit deeper which is quite horrifying it's just so difficult I, the thing is a lot of it a lot of it is to just due to collagen due to aging I mean there's not much you can do I think the only thing that you can do is literally what you're already doing which is SPF and retinoid um and then but obviously if you're protecting your eyes and they're not getting as much of the retinoid um it still does creep up but it'll probably just allow it'll probably make it less actually if you're moisturizing them it's probably irritation as well as darkness yeah well i've I've always had a little bit of sort of the um the thread veins there which is just horrible just a tiny patch oh, everyone has but some. then it's um yeah. yeah so it's not like permanent it just comes out a couple of times it was weird i had this yeah. really sort of I, I had a nap because i've been a bit ill the last couple of days and i was just had this really sort of sweaty nap where you're sort of just um, yeah, I felt like I was in the desert. Full clam. Full, full clam. <laughs> Everything about you is just glorious. Uh, yeah, I'm on the tretinoin retinoid, and it is mm-hmm. um, how much? It's 0.025%, and then fluosinolone. That's the same as mine. Well, it says um, I can only use this for a maximum of eight weeks, it says, for the flu. Oh, no, fluosinolone, that one, that I can only use for eight weeks. Yeah, tretinoin is gold standard in aging, apart from the SPF. Um, So, and you're supposed to use it throughout your lifetime and you can gradually increase the strength depending on 
or as your skin matures sometimes it can become a bit tougher so you can increase the strength you can actually go up i think to one percent i think see i need to read this stuff up but you know i think part of the reason why i don't read enough on this is because there's so much rubbish content out there there's so many like you can google stuff and you just get blogs that are just done by like idiots and i never know like who the the right resource resources are and also there's still that thing at the back of my mind in the same way that you can know someone who's been a smoker 40 a day and die at 80 that you're like oh well maybe it's just genes and who knows so then i get all like defeatist about it but that is um yeah but it's like anything i mean yeah you can have good genes but it also you if you give them a helping hand yeah. i mean <laughs> you could look as fabulous as you Jen. just look so fab- <laughs> i'll take fabulous, all the compliments Jen. Yeah, and so it's, we can talk about whatever you want, really. Um, it can be like our normal chats. Uh, we can talk about the whole lovely Spanish, half English. Half, you're not half English, you're half Welsh, half Spanish. Half Welsh, half Spanish. I don't know where to start. We can even start with how was your week? <laughs> what have you been up to? So um, my I wasn't feeling too great last week. But um, no, I um, my week's going well. I'm on the third week of my boss being away so the workload for everyone in the team is a little bit more intense but i'm going on holiday on saturday oh yeah where are you going yeah you said that's like a long holiday two weeks is it or something no no this is just this is just a week but it's a very welcome week um no this is to so my dad lives um in barcelona and then there's a we go somewhere for the summer we we rent a house in a lovely place in the Cap de Creus area in Catalonia. And yeah, we're going to go up there to the house. It'll be the first time that Alex will have seen it. So yeah, so I'm very excited about that. So yeah, my my week so far is just a lot of work, but also getting very, very excited about the holiday next week. Alex has met your dad before, hasn't he? Ale- uh, yeah, Alex has met my dad a few times now, actually. Um, so yeah, but this will be the first time that uh, obviously going to the family, well, the house, the house in Spain. So that will be really, really nice and just going to somewhere which I'm very, very fond of. With your Spanish heritage, so you're yeah, half Welsh, half Spanish, it feels like you are so much more Spanish than I feel Iranian. Um, like it's a really, it feel, it's always felt like a really important part of who you are. And you've always managed mm. to, and I, maybe it's because your mother is Spanish. So I guess there's a lot of sort of stuff there where whatever the mother is. Sorry, I keep moving my hair back because it's all sweaty. Um, well, no, it's very good. <laughs> um, oh, actually, on my hair, I stupidly, why did I do this? Opened up a capsule of um, omega-3 oil thing. My hair was really ratty and I needed some oil to put on it. And I put a bit of avocado oil on it, but that was a bit weird. Mm-hmm. And then I just started crazily opening oil tablets and then uh, a few days later Kurt was like yeah your hair really smells of fish because it was fish oil uh, I did wash it afterwards I put the oil on hoped <laughs> so I did for so that gig Saturday night you know where I posted on Instagram and I looked really sort of quite glamorous my hair stank of fish <laughs> And the thing was, you look so hot. Little did everyone know there was a fish. There is stone. no worse smell for a woman as well. <laughs> to smell a fish is just like, oh, God. It's like, is, is someone cooking mackerel? <laughs> That's horrendous. And I, I mean, I because I don't have a very good sense of smell either. Even when he said, no, smell it. I was like, I, I can't smell it. And he was like, it's only when you hug people, like you're, I'm, when I'm close to you. So luckily I only hugged like one person. Yeah, I hugged a couple of people. Good night. So they must have seen me all evening looking glamorous and then that final 
what the fuck? Why does that woman's panic? Okay, but I'm going to ask you the question that everyone wants to ask, which is, how did it affect the condition of um, I, You know what? Um, marginally, not much, but marginally better. Um, it's still, it, it needs a trim. It's a got in a bit, sort of. Would, would you say it's worth smelling of fish? Possibly not, no. I don't think it did that much. I, I just, well, I could have, I didn't have a, a proper mask. I used, like, the last of the conditioning mask and then I hadn't managed to get any more. And, um... Yeah, I mean, the curls are still good, but yeah. I, I, so I washed it a second time today. From, from the pixelated curls I can see. <laughs> I'm just going to get my lip balm, oh, which yes, is just here. I've got my tub of Vaseline right next to me. Oh, who doesn't love a tub of Vaz? <laughs> Keith Vaz. <laughs> my Keith Vaseline. <laughs> this is my Vaseline, I call it Keith. Um, well, you know, all of all of my phone cables and everything, I always call them Vince Cable. It just doesn't get old for me. <laughs> It ages. Like, where is he Vince? is dead now, though, isn't he? He did die, didn't he? Or have I just made that up? I don't know whether he died. I definitely I saw him in Lincoln's in Fields once with a briefcase <laughs> and a trench. <laughs> I love how random <laughs> things are about. <laughs> right, Vince Cable. He he is not dead. <laughs> I don't know why I thought he was dead. Oh, he is seventy nine though. Um, That's not old, Hatch. No, I know, but it's not. It's not crazy that I would have thought he was dead. Oh, oh, right, yeah. Maybe yeah. just, I'm putting it back there. Um, no, oh gosh, this is where I get down a... Uh, I get down a rabbit hole because I've just clicked on his wife. I'm like, my, I'm like, oh, how old is his wife? Um, oh. No, but he's, yeah, he's not dead. So everybody, Vince Cable, although not many people know who he is anymore, but... Um, <laughs> yes, but Vince, Vince Cable. I have so many Vince Cables around me, darling. Just In fact, I have a whole... Um, I have a whole wallet of, of Vince Cables, so... Oh, well, look, if you have a whole wallet of Vince Cables, I have something to help you with your Vince Cables. <laughs> wow. They're those little things that tie them together. Are they? they are, they are. And I'm slightly obsessed. I also um, got quite a few packing cubes and a few things for the wardrobe to pack. I became a little bit obsessed with organising in the past two you weeks. Are amazing. I'm sure I'll get over I, I need to. Well, I, I really need to. I sort of started with my... There's this thing with ADHD, uh, which is only... No, it makes sense to me now, that um, you kind of need to see everything in front of you, um, which doesn't mm. actually help with the whole tidy, you know, tidy room, tidy mind thing, because otherwise you forget stuff and you just don't use it. And um, so that's why my space is always quite messy, but it's... Like I, I, it reminds me to use things. Anyway, back to back to Spain. Um, oh, yes, yes. <laughs> I was um, no, no. Uh, I, it was definitely me. Yeah, because I brought up the fish hair. Oh smell. yes, the fish oil. <laughs> um, yeah, talk to me about the Spanish side of you. Have you always felt as Spanish of you as you have Welsh? Um, so I, I'll flip it around, which is that I didn't really feel that Welsh for a very long time. Um, my dad grew up or rather he spent the first four years of his life in Penarth, just outside Cardiff, but then moved to Lincoln and then lived in Folkestone. So, um, I didn't, I didn't really realize how important that was. I mean, I think, yeah, he supported the Welsh rugby team. And I remember him being quite emotional when watching it. Um, and I liked all sports as a kid. I always did. Um, but I don't think I've really, really got into it and Welsh rugby until I would say my early 20s. And then I started going and as a gift um, one Christmas, I got him and one of my brothers a Welsh rugby union membership. And uh, dad, I'd been to a few Welsh rugby games at that point in Cardiff and 
dad had never been and so we then made it a thing and then me my dad and my two brothers went and it became a special thing the four of us really really enjoyed together so the welsh bit came much later um the uh spanish bit i yeah i've had always um my first language actually was spanish my mum always spoke to me in spanish and my dad a mixture um but um i understood english but my first language apparently was spanish um and my mum actually and i think this was quite common at the time was actually discouraged from speaking spanish to me or was it to my brother i can't remember because apparently children would get confused with the number of languages now of course we know that's not the case now it's only that the children start speaking a tiny bit later but then they have three languages four languages available to them um but at that time it was kind of considered a confusion thing i don't think she had that advice necessarily with me it was more with my brother so it didn't deter her with me um but when i went to nursery apparently it was no problem because i understood english um but um a really interesting thing that i've discovered in the last couple of years thanks to netflix <laughs> um is that when i'm tired or i want something really comforting i often put on a spanish film or a spanish series and i find straight away it really really calms me it doesn't necessarily have to be when i'm in the uk it's when i'm traveling as well i often swap between the two and if there's an english language thing or a spanish language thing if i'm feeling a bit stressed i'll watch the spanish language thing and i find it a comfort thing i didn't really make the connection until a few years ago i was like oh um why do you think that so that's is quite interesting like... i think it i think it may be just because i associate it with my mum yeah and because it's the kind of comfort thing it's the same as you know if you're hurt and something and then a lot of a lot of children have that you know when you've got your mum around you it just feels a little bit better yeah do you think something's about being understood as well languages we adopt a personality when we learn a new language and i wonder if that's um obviously sometimes if we yeah needing calming it's to do with this feeling of maybe um, not fitting or not feeling um, understood or heard or whatever and then you can mm. access this different side to you through language I mean that's probably a, um, a big stretch but um... well, I, no, I, I think that's really interesting certainly no matter how good I am at speaking Spanish and I used to be actually much better than I was because I'm out of practice I still speak it when I'm there and I but I need to practice um, but um, yeah no no matter um how confident I am it's still not my first language now mm -hmm. so all the wordplay and stuff that I really really enjoy like the Vince Cables um I, I just don't I can't do or I don't do in Spanish maybe that's because I'm not living there permanently but even when I was living there I wasn't necessarily doing that so um how long did you yeah live I there think for? different personality was sorry so I was there um okay so all the all, a lot of the summers that I had when I was a kid it was the entire summer so okay. my mum's a teacher so it would be a case of as soon as she'd broken up we we'd all broken up uh, from school we would go at the beginning of July private school holidays longer um so we'd go at the beginning of July and then we'd go until the end of August which was a ridiculously long time uh, my poor yeah. mother um but uh yeah we would go to Spain and we'd be there with Yaya who was my grandma and my mum's one of my mum's one of eight, so there were all the aunties, uncles, cousins. So a lot of that. So I count I, even though I wasn't living there, that was a huge part of my life. Yeah, um, well, six of your year. Was, so that's indeed. Um, and then um, 
when I was a teenager, I would do a lot of summers divided between seeing my dad in Barcelona or going to the, the summer house in Catalonia, or we would, um, or I'd also go to the fiestas in my mum's tiny medieval village. And then in Christmas, between Christmas and New Year, we would go skiing or do stuff like that. So that, and that was usually in the Pyrenees for many years. So there was a lot of that. Then, um, on my year abroad university, I did Spanish and Portuguese. Again, I, I mean, <laughs> it's quite obvious the direction I was heading. Um, but yeah, I chose to do Spanish and Portuguese. Um, and I lived for, I want to say, maybe six, seven, eight months, I can't really recall, in Tarragona. Mm -hmm. So that's um, in Catalonia as well. That was a really interesting experience because that's in Catalonia. So that's they speak Catalan. And where I stayed was very Catalan. And I lived with two very, very Catalan. Uh, there were lovely people, but two very, very Catalan um, guys. So it was always Catalan TV. Uh, I even, the local supermarket was called Bonpreu, which is a Catalan, uh, Catalan words. And all the herbs and spices were in Catalan. So, I mean, it was, so I had to learn and I'd learned Portuguese at university as well. So it was kind of a mixture of all of the different ones, but I, I had to learn. Um, and there was, it was quite funny because my little brother must have only been a toddler and um, Missy, my stepmom, she, um, she spoke to him in Catalan. My dad spoke to him in English and she spoke to him in Catalan and there was one day he turned when he was, you know, talking and he said to me, he was like, how do you understand Catalan? And it was at that point I realised that I actually understood 100% of Catalan. Even now I can understand mm. everything. I just don't really speak it, which is yeah. totally weird. I can understand it completely, but I don't speak it. But yeah, so that and then I was fully immersed. So then that was like, a, like another level of Spain that I was there and then continued going there has spent every every year that I can remember even during COVID I went 2020 I was in Spain for the summer 2021 as well so yeah it's always I, th I spent a lot of my life there. Mm -hmm. Do you feel in any way um, d does it feel like home um, in a way that you could live there permanently or does it feel like your mother's home or like what's that like can you yeah just articulate that connection with yeah. it like does it feel like so returning when you lived... go or so okay so mum's lived outside of Spain for longer than she lived there now which I always okay. find really peculiar and this is a lady who's kept her Spanish passport feels very very proud to be Spanish um I do feel a sense of coming home although I think and I think we've discussed this before I I will never, ever feel completely at home. When I'm in Spain, mm -hmm. I'll still feel like someone who loves Spain but is very British. And then when I'm here, I feel extremely Spanish. And I will never... I don't think I'll ever be completely settled, but I wouldn't have it any other way. I, I love mm -hmm. being half one culture and half another, but it means that I don't think you're fully ever rooted to one place. That's perhaps why I like travelling. I don't know. If I was going to live in Spain... I know exactly where I would go. I would go to Madrid because Madrid to me is vibrant, but it would also be my own space. Um, yeah. My my family are in Zaragoza or other bits and pieces of my mum's side. And is that the medieval place, Zaragoza? 
Sorry? Um, is that the, is, is, is Theragotha? Is that the medieval village town? So medieval village. villages, my mum is from Salaba. So that's about an hour away in car. Um, so it's one of, it's gorgeous place. It's one of five medieval villages called Cincovillas. And it's spectacular. And I absolutely love um, it. And I, there are some things from your childhood that are pure magic. And Sadaba is one of those places I used to go on many of those long summers there. And they had, whether you agree with it or not, I grew up with it. So it was, they had the bullfighting. I used to go to the ring. Mm-hmm. You had the bulls running through the streets. Uh, we had um, the cabezudos, giant, giant papier mache heads that used to run around the entire village with sticks during their week of fiestas. And you, I honestly, I can still feel the fear of being hit. And yet if you knew if they hit you, they'd give you sweets. But still everyone ran away because you were so scared. Mm. Um, it was it was like it was like magic I actually I remember trying to articulate it to my mum I actually felt like I went to a different planet I could completely escape it was wonderful and I remember receiving my GCSE results so I was on the balcony it was during the fiestas because it's always in August Um, and uh, I remember the bulls were running through the streets and it was on that week it was I think the midday bull no it must have been the morning bull run and I'd woken up because I'd been out with my friends the night before and I was like really bleary eyed. And I got the call and Yaya had this red phone that looked like something out of a James Bond baddies movie. You know, you'd, you'd kind of go up to the red phone and it was one of those, you know, that has the, what's it called? The spinny thing where you do the little numbers. Yeah, I don't dial. Do even call You know, them they're like the whirly yeah. spinny thing. Right? Yeah, I know what you mean. Um, yeah. <laughs> So, um, yeah, I had that and um, got my GCSE results on that red phone in the middle of a tiny medieval village during a bull, um, a bull run. So I wrote them down. I went, OK, great. And then I ran out on the balcony again. And I, for years afterwards, I just thought that's the most surreal experience. Mm. Um, but yes, no, I would. Long story short, yeah, I would live in Madrid. Do I feel like it's home? Yes and no. But then I feel like that here. I love that you um, sort of celebrate that as well, that you wouldn't have it any other way. Because, I mean, obviously, <clears throat> as you know, when we speak, I'm usually the one that's sort of, you know, regretful berating my parents and this sort of, I mean, my uh, culturally it was slightly different sort of being half, half Iranian and living in theocr- theocratic Iran um, to Spain. Um, but it was slightly more sort of uh, marked Just different, yes. Um, yeah. Yeah, but I love that... Um, I love how, I mean, I love how positive you are anyway and how sort of get on with it you are. In fact, um, I think I pick my a lot of my friends out specifically for that trait. I've noticed you all have that trait. Um, um, and with, um, so annoying, I can't see you. So I'm just um, imagining you're smiling. Oh, can you not at all? Completely, you know, it's completely frozen. It's just, it's my side. It will, oh. um, <clears throat> I you think can it's see just me what afterwards. it does so that it, yeah, yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll, the recording will work. Um <laughs> Yeah, I'm sorry I made you pop the jumper in and having to take off your no, I'm like, um, robe now. Um, I'm guessing you're smiling, but um, anyway. I am. I'm, 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 I'm sure you're finding everything hilarious. Um, <laughs> I am. I'm crying. Um, right. Well, I, honestly, you have such an amazing way of, um, of talking about places as well. I feel that I can be in a city and just know how it makes me feel. But then as soon as I've left, I'm like, I wouldn't be able to describe a single thing to you. Um I love that um, about, yeah, how you absorb, like, cities and stuff. You're massively into travel. Like, you get to yes. do it loads of your job. Um, mm. 
to what I mean it's an obvious question but like tell me like some of the best places you've been with work or like places you've only visited once that really stayed with you yeah I'm I'm quite annoying in the sense that I don't have a favorite place I visited just because I every place that I've been to I really enjoyed for a different reason um probably okay I'll start with the most surprising for me mm-hmm the most surprising one for me that I thought I was really going to dislike was Dubai. And this is controversial because a lot of people love Dubai. Um, but I actually thought I was going to hate it. Um, it's just not my kind of thing. Um, even though I definitely enjoy shopping. It's just, I I don't know. I, I just felt it was a bit, artif- I was imagining it was a bit artificial. But because I set the bar very low for it, I was pleasantly surprised. I went there twice for work. Would I choose to go there on holiday? Probably not. It's still not my destination. However, it did pleasantly surprise me. I um, really, really enjoyed the souks. I thought they were wonderful. I had the most incredible curry. Uh, so I was recommended to me by a, a colleague, a former colleague of mine who used to live there. And he said, okay, as soon as you land, you must, must, must check out this curry place. It looks like crap. It's got plastic, you know, plastic covers on the table. Um, Everyone's a little bit miserable. It's kind of, you know, the plastic white chairs. It looks like nothing. And you go in there and order, I can't even remember what it was, butter chicken. It wasn't butter chicken. It has something with spice in it, but whatever. <laughs> I went there um, and I, I'd refused to get a taxi because I'm a walker and people were looking at me like I was absolutely insane oh, in yeah. Dubai. I walked 20 minutes, got to see some gorgeous mosques, but they were looking at me like she's bananas. Um, but um, got there, had this gorgeous curry meal for one, which cost me nothing. Uh, went to the souks and then this was the day before the conference and then went to the top of the Burj Khalifa which at that time was the tallest building in the world and I was really really impressed so that was my most surprising one no I think there's a um, tallest building in Saudi Arabia now which I probably won't get to go to um shucks um but yes so um I then which other ones have I really really enjoyed God there are so many uh Cartagena in Colombia I adored Mm -hmm. um I think the reason is twofold I really really like Gabriel Garcia Marquez Mm -hmm. and um 100 Years of Solitude is often touted as lots of people's favorite books but it genuinely is mine um on my list from eight years ago to read it (laughs) Oh, well, there you go. I didn't think I was a candidate for magic realism. But Mm -hmm. um, I think because there are various elements. So the matriarch of the entire book really reminds me of my Spanish grandma, Yaya Ursula. Mm -hmm. And I adore her. And I really enjoyed the concept of that you've got all of these names and they're deliberately very, very similar. So you get them muddled and you've got this family tree at the... I got an illustrated version from Folio and I adore it. Um, and it's just really, really complicated. And but it's so, so Hispanic as well. I absolutely adore it. I don't know. There's just something really jazzy about it. And then I had to study some of his books, Gabriel Garcia Marquez at university. And it was often it's a chore to study these books, and you end up hating them. But I didn't with him. I just mm. fell in love with him even more. And he, I think it's Love in the Time of Cholera that he has set in Cartagena and there is a bench that he talks of this I think it's the lover the uh, lover who's sitting on the bench and pining after this girl 
And I found the bench that it was based on and I sat there and I saw where Gabriel Garcia Marquez uh, lived, his compound there. Yeah. And there was one night during the conference when I was there, um, the entire, it was how I imagine Latin America should be. It was tropical. It was so sexy, so sultry. <laughs> The atmosphere was wonderful. There were weddings going on really, really late at night. You know, there were all the bride and all the guests were pouring out of the church at about nine, nine thirty p.m. Everyone was getting ready to for dinner, and you heard music akin to Buena Vista Social Club as you were going past all these beautiful old colonial buildings. You go in there, and they'd have this courtyard with water and these kind of sumptuous ferns and all these different um, stairways leading up, up and you asked for a table at the rooftop and you'd be there under a canopy of stars with all of this gorgeous music and just this kind of mm. Caribbean flavour. And they did these m wonderful cocktails called Coco Loco, which I, I don't know whether they're just um, pina colada on steroids, but I adored them. And, oh, Cartagena was just the sexiest place. I'm dying to go back. And I didn't get to visit the Rosario Islands, which are just off the coast, and they're supposed to be idyllic. Um, I mean, so Colombia is, uh, yeah, Colombia, I'd love to be. I actually proofread a book all about Colombia. It's on my um, bookshelf. So a friend of mine um, that I met on my course, um, creative writing course, she, uh, she's British, but she lives in Colombia. Well, she lived there for eight years. Um, oh, how and gorgeous. she wrote a sort of a visitor's guide to it, but like quite a funny one. And it tells you all about the history of it as well. Um, but in quite a satirical yes. way. Um, and it's brilliant. Um, and I, yeah, I sort of pre it um, for her. And it's, um, so I sort of learned a lot as I was reading it and oh, what wow. stuff you've said, I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, I did know that, but I'd forgotten obviously. But um, yeah, yeah, it sounds so magical. I desperately want to go there. Apparently she says they have their, their own version of the Hay Festival as well, but it's just like super, super cheap. Ooh. But you see all these amazing authors and everything as well. So um, it's a good, oh, and that good just, place to go for that. It sounds wonderful. I, I The entire... The entire continent holds a magic for me. I, I think it was ignited when I was studying Hispanic studies because I had to study a lot of Latin American history and language. Mm -hmm. And I I think I actually became obsessed. I did. I desperately wanted... At that point, I hadn't set foot in Latin America and it was making me almost like wild with desire. I mean, it's just nothing short of that. I was desperate to go. Um, and then on my year abroad, so after I'd been in Tarragona, I was supposed to go to, to Sao Paulo in Brazil for mm -hmm. the Portuguese segment. And there were riots at that time. And one of my dad's good friends said, you know what? I don't think it's a good idea, but we, we do know a friend of a friend who lives in Lisbon. Have you thought about Lisbon? Now, if you said that now, you would jump at it. But at that time, Lisbon isn't what it is now. I would, well, I would argue no. it was still just as lovely, but it wasn't like the hip place to go for a long weekend. Because when I was living out there and I invited friends to come out and see, they weren't that bothered. It wasn't, it wasn't um, what it's seen as now, even though it was just as lovely. Um, yeah, no, the, I mean, the whole more. tourism thing has just gone crazy in Portugal. Like we actually went to Porto and then Lisbon a couple of weeks ago. And Porto especially, they were like, yeah, seven years ago, that's when it started. And I imagine Lisbon obviously has always been, you know, it's a capital city, but um, there's something in the... Oh, it yeah, was, it was nothing Ryan like Air that. I mean, <laughs> yeah, it was, it, was, it was nothing like that. I lived there, when was it, in 2007. 
Um, so a long time ago and it was nothing like that it was gorgeous but it was very much my city I loved it it was almost me and lots of Portuguese people and a few there were quite a few Spanish and French but it wasn't it didn't feel touristy Um, and yeah so I ended up going to Lisbon but and I had the most wonderful time Lisbon is one of my all-time favorite cities Um, I loved living there and I would quite happily own a house there and one of my very very good friends Vanessa lives there um but i still was desperate to go to latin america and i got my chance well i was supposed to be i was invited actually on a trip with my old job uh, to write about some frozen berries in brazil and um, <laughs> i'm going to explain your job sort of i'm going to loosely <laughs> i'm going to yes. loosely talk about your job when i do the the links over i don't know how much you want to talk about it but i've always loved loved your job journalism but with a twist with a very fun twist well yes um no it was i was supposed to be going to well no i wasn't supposed to it was offered to us as a press trip but i think it was about berries which are frozen i I can't recall but it was in brazil or chile I, i can't remember anyway i was going to see my cousins that weekend in paris and i was very much looking forward to that and we had a wonderful weekend it meant a lot to both of us but it did mean that i didn't get to go to latin america and i thought foolishly because i was so young i was like i've missed my chance no <laughs> um so uh, about a year or so later i was invited on a press trip to peru and this was to um report on a food fair when in fact we were there for about a day uh in lima and then the rest of it was just to show us how flipping amazing peru is now i have to add that one of my bucket list things is to do machu picchu and i still haven't done it i went to peru and i haven't gone to machu picchu but um after going around lima and seeing how fantastic it was and then seeing a lot of the ruins outside i i learned a lot about lima that a lot of the um buildings are built quite low because of earthquake risk i learned that Mm. the anchovies are magnificent uh, because of the different currents, the uh, cold and warm currents coming in, and also the way that uh, where Lima is, it often gets a lot of low cloud. But then if you go half an hour outside, it can look very, very gloomy in pictures and stuff. It doesn't really convey Lima. And then you go half an hour outside to a ruin, and it's beautiful blue sky. Yeah. Um, is that a bit like Porto no, in LA? They have like the June gloom thing. Um, like Porto doesn't sort of get sunny until about two or three in the afternoon. It's just that low. It's kind yeah, of not cloudy. I, I don't know whether haziness. it's like that. Yeah, but I don't know whether it's like that permanently in Lima or just when we were there or the time of year. I don't. I don't know. But I, I did. Like, I did hear that the kind of low cloud where it is. Um, it does have a lot of Michelin star restaurants. Not that I ate at any, but I do know that about Lima as well. Um, but was then taken on a plane to a place called Tarapoto. And mm-hmm. Tarapoto is in the Peruvian Amazon. And, oh, it's just magic. It's, um, I think it would be a wonderful honeymoon place. It, it, there are lodges built on the Amazon River, kind of almost on stilts, but in an authentic way, not in a knobby honeymoon way. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, there's a kind of a big kitchen I say big kitchen, it's actually tiny, that's a total lie. It was a tiny kitchen built up in the forest and everyone was encouraged to have a go and they had all these kind of medicinal liqueurs. That's the great thing about Peru as well. They're like liqueurs in the shops where they have like 
Um, there's, I think I saw one bottle that had a picture of a, a topless man with like flowing locks and it says Erectus. They had the <laughs> most amazing things. I can try and find the photos. I what does that do? Photos <laughs> I wonder. Um, and uh, no, they had all these wonderful potions. And I remember playing, I think, Trivial Pursuit or Monopoly up in the jungle. And then the the wildlife, there was an iguana in my room. I didn't close any of the curtains. It was like a 360 view on the Amazon. Um, and it had a giant moth. I it, I would say bigger than my palm. It was probably Whoa. the size of my hand. And it was really, really furry. And it looked, I really wanted to pet it because it looked like quite plushy. <laughs> but I didn't. It was on the handle. So I had Make to get a, a coat out of it. Yeah. <laughs> One my, my coat is had made of moth, twig. darling. <laughs> Sorry. I had to I had to gently peel this thing off the handle with a little stick oh. and I didn't want to hurt him because it was him or her um or it <laughs> they um but it was them. it was very very delicate and it I was absolutely glorious and then the next day there was just a massive spider looked quite similar to a tarantula just on the floor it had ah. perished nothing to do with me um <laughs> and one day we got uh, we got talking to the owner because obviously we were a press trip and he was Catalan or is Catalan um, oh. and he knew my stepmom's family or knew of them because they were both from no Reus and so he decided that he was going to give us uh, I don't know whether he would have done this anyway I don't know but he decided he was going to give us a free trip uh, all the way up uh, on the Amazon with my colleagues at the time and um, we wow. we did that and it was incredible um we uh, saw some amazonian fishermen they waved at us also a little bit bemused at what we were actually doing i don't get the feeling that they have many tourists go up that far um mm. that was absolutely incredible and then as part of that trip also went to a tobacco plant and factory and i kid you not I saw all of the tobacco leaves being dried. I saw all the women working. I've got some magnificent photos from there. The women wrapping up all the cigars and everything. But the smell when you went into the warehouse, it burnt your nostrils. And I can st I can still feel it. I can still feel it and smell it. The burning on my nostrils. I immediately taken back to that warehouse. That was amazing. So I, I've had many trips, obviously, outside Latin America as well. But And, and then yeah. Vietnam was also wonderful. But... Th those really because it's the magic of latin america you need to speak to um our lovely natasha about vietnam have you spoken to our lovely natasha about vietnam because she's been to vietnam she went on a very long off the beat i haven't trip. i haven't spoken to our lovely natasha enough in fact um now i should <laughs> speak to her about vietnam because i spent three weeks top to bottom yeah well i think she ended up spending like months and months out there she just sort of carried oh. on and um and kept kept going and it was a proper kind of yeah um off the beaten track thing. I honestly, I love listening to you talk about where you've traveled. It's just incredible. <laughs> um, no, but it's how vivid a picture you paint and how clear everything is in your head um, and how clearly present you are with everything you're going through. It's just, I mean, obviously I'm noticing this more and more the more I realize about myself, about my own bloody brain that doesn't seem to sort of retain anything of experience. But um, it's so glorious to listen to. Like it would be... Um, 
obviously I'm looking forward to your memoirs, which are press trip in Peru or something like that. <laughs> press trip to Peru. Um, I think it would make a glorious, <laughs> a glorious memoir. Um, actually, I was thinking maybe because um, when I put this up, I, uh, if you've got a couple of pictures, we can put them on the site and everything will be... Um, yeah, nice I will dig them out. That would be a pleasure, well. actually. It just sounds incredible. Yeah, um, where have you been? Where have you been this year with work? Because obviously your work, but um, because your work from the outside, your work doesn't sound that glamorous. It's like uh, what? What's the current thing you're in at the moment? What's the specific fertilizers? Um, I'm in fertilizers. It is still fertilizers. Yeah, you're still in fertilizers. I have to check I'm in, in every few years because I forget. Um, so <laughs> yeah. journalist in fertilizers, and you wouldn't think it would bring like give you this kind of very glamorous seeming lifestyle. But yeah, where have you been this year? Um, this year, well, I've been to Miami and Vienna with work, so not not so big hitters. But uh, Miami, again, everywhere I go, Miami, I it wasn't that I wasn't excited, I was intrigued, but I wasn't like, oh my god, I'm going to Miami. Um, I <laughs> like haven't Will in Smith. the past got that excited about the U.S. trips, and yet every U.S. trip that I've done, I've loved. Um, yeah. But. Um, Miami was wonderful. I actually ended up staying at the hotel at the same time as the Miami Open. So you'd wake up in the morning, you'd go to a conference and you were surrounded by live tennis players, all kind of ridiculously wow. tanned, just kind of going. <laughs> um, um, and but, did you party? Uh, no, did you wonderful. party in the city where the heat is on all night on the beach till the break of dawn? Yes, that was before Will Smith was problematic. <laughs> Yes, um, <laughs> I, think, I do. I think I've got a problematic thing. See, I thought maybe you just, yeah, um, I thought it was just a lag, but I mentioned the Will Smith thing earlier. I was like, maybe she's just ignoring that comment because it's problematic now. <laughs> um, but yeah. no, that's just I, I, annoying. Uh, you know, there is, there is just a delay. Or maybe it's just no. me, I'm just delayed. <laughs> um, but um, no, I, I loved it. I actually had a wonderful time. So I gave myself the, well, I say I gave myself, I gave myself Friday evening and Saturday how generous of me, um, to enjoy Miami before I had to fly back. And, um, well, I enjoyed my time at the conference. It was great, but I was working. Um, on a Friday late afternoon, I decided to take myself down Ocean Drive. Uh, is it, it's called Ocean Drive, isn't it? So blue, sun's gonna shine on everything you do. Everything um, you do. Gotta, it is gotta, Ocean Drive, isn't it? Now I'm just questioning it. myself. Yeah. Art, art um, I'm sure he's talking anyway, about that one. I'd, yeah. <laughs> well, what? Anyway, it was stunning. The Art Deco, oh, and it's all the pastel colours. It's very, very, very dreamy, and it feels otherworldly. You do feel like you're being transported into the 1930s, and you go into the Art Deco Museum, and they have all these wonderful posters and knickknacks and a gorgeous vintage handbag. But it was going to cost me 200 pounds, but it was divine. Um, and then I was walking down Ocean Drive and it just happened to be spring break. Um, and I was just looking at stuff. And then I, I realized this is very niche, but I was walking down the road and I looked on the other side of the road and I was like, oh my God, that looks like Gianni Versace's house. Now I realized most people wouldn't have that thought, but I had watched the, um, the film is it with Ricky Crime? Martin. Yeah. Whatever it was. Yeah. So it wasn't. It was a different series, one. yeah, because it was. Um, the, it was the same series as the O.J. Simpson one, wasn't it? It's the same exactly. Producers. Yeah, and and the same um, one as the Monica Lewinsky one that followed. Um, um, okay. oh, I didn't see that. But oh um, uh, yeah, no, I I'd watched it and I was obsessed. I in fact the um, soundtrack to that series is great. I actually have it downloaded on Spotify, and weirdly, I was listening to it. 
but I, and I was just listening to it as I was walking past this, but I had not put two and two together. It hadn't even occurred to me until this point. I didn't even know where it was. I, I couldn't remember that it was in Miami. Yeah. So I was looking there and I thought this, this, it really reminds me of Gianni Versace's house. So I thought, oh, I'll go and take a picture of it because it's obviously modeled on that. And then I get there and there are these ladies beautifully coiffed in these gorgeous black dresses with these big, big sunglasses, you know, with the kind of gold um, like lady um, emblem on the side. Mm-hmm. And they're like, hi, excuse, excuse me, uh, do you have a reservation? And I'm like, oh, what is this place? And she goes, oh, it's Gianni Versace's house, like a hotel and restaurant. And I went, oh, yeah, the actual one. And she went, yes. And then I did a double take because I was standing on the step that he was shot shot on. Oh, wow. Oh, the blood was there. And I was like, oh, my goodness. So I did a little double take. She must have seen this a thousand times. But I genuinely, genuinely was not only flabbergasted, but also overjoyed. Um, because as a side note, my mum has a black Versace jacket from the late 90s. I think it was either his last collection before he died. No, it couldn't have been because he died in 94, didn't he? I think it was probably one of Donatella's first then. Either way, she's got this black Versace jacket. It's kind of like a thin bomber jacket, but a kind of quilted one. Anyway, it doesn't age, and I borrow it all the time. It's still one of my favourite jackets. My mum puts it, it's like machine wash. It's great. And I even wore it when I first started dating Alex um, a few times. And my mum's going, can I have it back? So I'm I've a massive I've seen it. It looks Versace fabulous. Fan. You look so, you look so uh, gorgeous in it. It's amazing. Yeah, I remember oh, Thank you, my darling. It's a jacket, but I'll take it. <laughs> my mum's wonderful taste. I didn't choose it. But um, I, so I really, really like Versace. So um, I was very, very excited. And I said, oh, well, and she goes, oh, well, you need a reservation. I said, well, what happens if I just want to go in for a drink? And she, I think she took pity on me, the fact that I was so excited. And was like, okay, just go in. And also it's just me. Like, what am I going to do? Went in there. Yeah. Oh, my Lord. I absolutely loved it. I was just taking photos. And then I just, then I went out into the, um, I mean, everything is fabulous with the capital F in this Versace mansion. And just had a look around and I was like, oh my God, this is glorious. I could just see Ricky Martin sashaying down. And then I went into the bar area and I thought, well, now I'm here. They can't kick me out. So then I found a a, free seat with all the leopard print cushions and everything. It was like as he left it. So I sat there and then he was like, what would you like? And I was like, well... I don't know, I'll just have like a nice drink. So I can't even remember, maybe I had a martini or something. And then I chose some tuna sashimi, of course. Um, and then I ate there and then I popped outside to probably one of the most beautiful outside areas I've ever seen. Uh, it had the this staircase that kind of looped down and it was all gilded and it went down to this area where everyone was seated who obviously reserved all these tables, such a gorgeous atmosphere. And then you saw the swimming pool, beautiful, bright wow. blue surrounded by all these palms and very Versace-esque. So I had a walk around there and then I managed to sneak because the upstairs is just hotel, so you can't access it, but I managed to sneak just behind the kitchen. Um, and I saw this uh, where obviously he used to go up behind uh there upstairs and all the beautiful paintings the little spiral staircase anyway suffice to say i was so delighted at that point i then went to stumble upon it as well and also but it wasn't only that it was it was also that i i'd looked at it from the other side of the road and thought oh that looks really like the versace house that i'd even had (laughs) that thought and then it was i just 
it made it literally made my month and um i yeah then went to south beach and just oh chilled out there and i was like this is the life i then tried to maximize my time there went to um little havana mm-hmm. um and little havana is exactly as you imagine you did actually feel like you were in latin america that's what really impressed me about miami that spanish is spoken first um and i i i didn't i don't know what i didn't expect that i still expected to be very very american and yet i actually found it very very hispanic and i think that's part of the reason i fell in love with it and i ended up meeting a guy who is of peruvian heritage but has lived in little havana Oh, Miami for many years and is now a tour guide but he used to be a trader mm-hmm. and yeah. um he did a little dance with me like the salsa we were in a live music bar and I got there and I think I, there were there were lots of women but I think because I was right at the front um and then this guy the, the whole band is singing and then they dedicate the song to me and I'm thinking oh my lord um uh, but it was very very fun and had a wonderful time so that was another did you did you speak Spanish as a first language when you were talking to people there then a mix definitely Spanglish um a lot of people Spanglished so I Spanglished back um (laughs) Um, I was yeah cool okay yeah so yeah um just wondering if it was like you'd go into a restaurant and just speak Spanish first um I I want to know like I love um I don't know how long we'll we'll chat for because I don't want to keep you up too late and I need to I need to pack everything um you need to rest how do you I know I need to rest and pack and everything um how do you travel like because obviously you travel so much that I imagine you have lots of systems and you know um you know exactly where everything goes and I want to yeah what what do you travel with what your travel essentials darling um what sort of suitcase size do you use do do you have like system for everything I feel like you would do um you would think so um (laughs) as Alex can confirm when we went to to Greece for just over two weeks that was hideous and I was severely overweight in terms of baggage um I was um, like absolutely not Uh, for for work, I would say I'm a little bit more disciplined. I have gone to South Korea for five days with hand luggage. It has been known. Mm-hmm. Um, usually I take a very generous uh, suitcase because it means that I can pack a lot. I am demanding in the sense that I do like a checked bag. Um, <laughs> I um, What other bits of travel? Um, I Do I have a system? Well, in a sense, I do, because I have a toiletry bag that I really, really like that I actually keep stuff in most of the time and I don't usually empty it. So if I go round to stay at someone's, it's always ready to go because I'm very particular about the stuff that I like. Um, And I've done that for many years now. So kind of I I still forget occasionally something, but most of the stuff's in there. Um, I will do that. Um, I have a set pair of shoes that I always like to have at a conference. They're kind of like a, a really nice and other stories pair of black heels. And I think they're quite Wear with anything to any occasion? Um, to any occasion, darling. Wear yes. with anything to any occasion. Um, um, do you, um, I was going to do you have a, something you, do any, for long haul flights, do you um, like change into like comfy clothes or anything? Or do you, um, you know how some so people I, take I, I'm like not a meds ch- or I'm stuff? Not- <laughs> I'm not a I'm not a I'm not a changer in the airport. I'm a I'm a I go comfortable straight. I usually wear a kind of gym legging. 
um, because I once or I used to travel at the beginning when I was doing for work in jeans and that is so uncomfortable if you have any kind of bloating at all then you just literally feel like you're going to explode uh, whereas with a gym legging always been fine I tend to do quite a few layers and I have a wonderful jacket I got in Singapore with my mum uh, which is a very very light a puffer from Uniqlo that I have a- a recommended to absolutely everyone. And if I haven't recommended it to you, now I am. No, darling, um, I'm taking it, it out it's now. Really, it's, yeah, it's a really, it's a lightweight puffer. I've got it in navy blue, but other colours are available. And it, it, um, <laughs> you get a little kind of bag to stuff it in, like a kind of like a sausage, like a Cumberland. Mm. Um, but um, it's, it's um, absolutely amazing. It's super lightweight. It is always appropriate. It saves you even when you're going to a warm place and you're suddenly cold because of air con. Um, if equally if you're going somewhere where it's really really cold and you're thinking oh god I'm bloody freezing it fits under any other jacket it's mm-hmm. all amazing for the plane because if you do get cold you just zip it up but it doesn't feel like you know when you're just like all clammy and you're like I'm wearing a thousand layers and you just feel really flustered you don't have that um, with that jacket so that I would say I always wear gym leggings uh, usually a cotton t-shirt that's quite loose because it looks better with the leggings anyway mm-hmm. um, <laughs> and then a nice trainer I always try and have some cashmere socks um on just so because i have to wear socks uh, well i also that's just hygienic on a plane but also i have to wear thick socks because it just makes me feel like cuddled um i so yeah i do that and then i've got the jacket on if i need to i'm i absolutely detest uh the round the neck pillows because i've used them quite a few times and they always give me neck ache and prevent me sleeping so i do not use those and I never, ever, 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 ever fly long haul with makeup on. Ever. Yes. I just, I... I just fundamentally, no. Yeah, I don't think I do either, actually. I mean, I don't wear much, massive amounts of makeup um, anyway, but yeah, long haul, no. I actually always wear, um, when I went, when I used to fly long haul a little bit, I, um, the socks definitely. I have a nice comfy pair of socks and I'd wear, um, well, I say, I, it's not quite as stylish as you. I'm pretty sure I just got changed into like my pajama leggings and a jumper, like but a pajama jumper that I used to wear. So I looked a little less, I was like, rather than a cotton tee, we're sort of talking some stained, oversized, bobbled jumper with my... Um, I'm sure you still look fab. Like, the, the, I, main, the main difference is, obviously, the main difference <laughs> is that I never knew, and it still happens, you bump into people from the conference on the planes. often so what I try and do is I try and look as comfortable as I am and relax but then still look a bit groomed so even though I'm not wearing makeup I'll still make sure that I've brushed my eyebrows and I sometimes occasionally like you know I'll kind of like my cheeks or I'll get a tinted lip balm just to zhuzh just to zhuzh just to zhuzh oh and I always 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 have um my favorite thing boots brightening eye drops i go through bottles of them i always have them because i get quite bloodshot eyes any kind of air con or recycled air my eyes get bloodshot straight away so i will i just put in a few drops and it's only those that i like the brightening eye drops from boots and they make me look like i've slept more and they just make me look more done so i have that I love that. Um, I, w- I love that every time I talk to you, I end up with some sort of like, oh, I should. I guess I do need to get this. That's, that's true. Um, I mean, we're, we're still at the point of, yes, I do need a job first, but that's at the top of the list. And then we'll, we'll work our way down. <laughs> Uniqlo, by the way, it seems like is, um, it's currently on at 
down from £69.90 to £29.90, but they only have the 3XL oh. available in the puffer jacket. Oh, wait, wait, but they must do, they're not, what, in all colours? Um, oh, actually, yeah. See, even this stuff I wouldn't think to do. No, it is only available in 3XL. But it's £29.90, so it's the £70 one colours. or the £120 my, one. My mum, yeah, so, oh, God, I can't remember because I got mine in Singapore. Um, this is the ultra light down puffer jacket. Yes. No, you don't need to drag out yes, the water. It, yes, it's really, um, really it, thin. I actually, yeah, you can get different, you can get different ones. You can get sleeveless ones with just like a gilet or you can get ones with a collar or you can get ones with no collar. Mine is no collar, but it's long sleeve. As in, as in it's just kind of like a round flat neck. So this one, yeah, I mean, when I, when I typed it in with bag, um, yeah, it's currently only got four colours available on that sort, but I'm sure there's different different styles available um, as well. Yeah, I was yeah. going to get into sort of all the identity stuff, but actually it's been so amazing just listening to you talk about where you've travelled. And um, I think we've got plenty for a first episode. We'll definitely revisit it with more with other stuff. We can talk dating and divorce another day. <laughs> well, we can save that for us. Um, but we can talk about it if we want to, but um, I think treat. we've... Like, I just honestly, I like you, I love listening to how excited and passionate you are um, for and about things. It's just, it's so, um, I mean, because I'm the brain I am, I'm just like, oh, how do I do that? How do I go to a country and remember what it's like? And But it's just, I, it, it's like everything connects with you at such a deep, visceral level that it, you really kind of, um, your experience is just like burned into your body the way you just pulled them out from 10 years ago and it's like it's still so real but in such a positive way it's all like the real kind of um, gorgeous stuff like whenever you talk about your experiences of the world um, like you you really should you, you really should just do nighttime stories for people to make them just feel more positive and happy and like excited because <laughs> it's just I love listening to you talk about like what you do and where you travel um, oh that's so I lovely you... of you to say I I feel very very fortunate really very fortunate I often uh, wake up actually and it comes into my mind thinking how lucky I am when I'm on these trips how lucky I am that mm -hmm. I've seen a lot of the world for free I uh, yeah. and I feel extremely fortunate it is what I always wanted to do and I'm very lucky that I get to do that it means a lot to me um, I get my energy from other people and other experiences and mm. just very, very lucky. I often think to myself, what a wonderful life I've had so far. I, I really do. And it's great. It is yeah. great. Um, well, I love hearing But there are plenty, when you were saying that, when you were thinking, oh, you know, if, if only I could do that. I, to be honest, I couldn't have done what you've done. And kind of set up you've done so many amazing things you're a singer you've done stand-up it's wonderful you're you've written a book you do so many wonderful things you do podcasts I absolutely <laughs> love that it's another kind of side that um I'm really interested in but I don't necessarily I mean I definitely couldn't do stand-up my talents do not lie in this area and when I'm watching you I'm I'm just so impressed and think wow that's oh. that's really great oh bless and you. I couldn't Thank do that you. Um, oh, I, I wasn't giving a compliment to get a compliment. That's very kind of you. But I think it's also, um, it's not it's not necessarily sort of what you do and work and all that kind of thing because it's all impressive and I've always been, you know, very impressed by you. You're very, you know, you're fabulous, Jen. But um, there's just something about experiencing the world and 
keeping that positivity um because you know I've traveled lots but it's almost like things are just they're just fresh for you like I've you know I spent a month in Montpellier I lived in Paris for a bit I spent time in LA and um you know lived in a ranch very exotic um you know that was that's a amazing barrel of laughs <laughs> um but it's that kind of and maybe this is possible you know a part of me wonders whether it's because I wrote so much in my early 20s that it's kind of out and I've now forgotten about it um and I mean I've never been particularly good at either writing or reading about specifics of an environment I've always had this so if I'm reading a paragraph in a book where they're describing a room I just skip through because I, I and I, I I am aware that it's, it's a brain thing I can't because I can't visualize it um mm. it I, I skip past it and me and Curtis Curtis really really um, he's very similar to you he's really positive about how he experiences the world and um you know places he's visited and he has a real under and, and you know sections in books that he's like oh my god I loved how they described this and I, I do realize now I, I know I keep mentioning because it it's a bloody new thing for me but the ADHD thing it is that sort of brain I think um that I there's just something where I'm not noticing as much and it's not going in and I'm not computing it so I get a general sense of a place but I really have to work hard and also even you know when you were saying oh colonial architecture I'm like okay now I'm kind of like, okay what does that look like and what does that mean it's really um it's only something I've become aware of recently um, that I don't huh. yeah, picture things in that way, which is why I love, I may, again, maybe it's why I love having people around me who kind of do, because I can kind of get that from them <laughs> and keep that excitement. But that's, but, that's so, but that's so interesting that that's the way that your brain is built. Um, mm. Because for me, I have to visualise and I need all of that background in order to feel involved. So if a text is very, very flat and it just says, well, I arrived... I want to know what it smells like. I really love that descriptive. And sometimes I'm reading a passage and I think, my God, the description on this is just delicious. You know, I yeah. want to step in. And sometimes I put down a book and think, God, I just love. And it's not only the the words they use, it's the pace at which they yeah. describe, you know, and it, sometimes it's an assault on your senses of the word. I, that I, I love. But I, I really enjoy that your brain is diff, wired, wired differently. And so you're kind of like, well, no, let's get to the main crux of why we're there. Yeah, You know, stop it's, painting yeah, the picture. I just want to know what happened. And, and I also wonder whether there is something because um, of high empathy slash intuition, but like to crazy levels, that if I read like one or two words, it's like, cool, I'm there. I know, I know I've, I've got a feel for it without needing to see every mm -hmm. sort of detail. Maybe, um, and I, I sometimes wonder if it's that. Um, in a way that the reason why ADHD people often like finish people's sentences like oh yeah I, I see I see where you're going with this and it's not always right obviously um, I mean I don't know I'm still figuring this out I need to read a lot more books but I'm uh, too impatient to read about my own brain so um, I'll learn about it later um, but no I, I just exactly. honestly I love listening to you um, and it, it's not just it's not just how you describe the, the way you describe things it's um, it's the joy with which you Keep describe us. them and I love it it was always use this is my Keith Vaseline <laughs> fucking the world so, so you can everyone fuck the world must easier. use the Keith Vaz <laughs> Keith Vaz for all of your lip care needs <laughs> I, mean, I was going for the lubricating sort of element because uh, yeah he, he got into some trouble didn't he Keith Vaz uh, a while ago when he was Leicester MP wasn't he well I mean Vaz Vaz by name Vaz by nature <laughs> Vaz by <laughs> That's uh, very good, Vaz is about it anyway. Doesn't matter, <laughs> um, oh, my love. Just, oh, you've started to move again, so that's good. I didn't see your face. Um, that was oh, so good. lovely. Oh, I'm alive. 
you're alive um which is why i was probably just like not looking like i was looking at you or paying attention because i couldn't i couldn't see um oh it was really i know it's like a sort of a brief one and I, we'll possibly get into the identity stuff and um all the other deeper crap another day but i no, i've absolutely loved it and um even more excited for my holiday next week now because kind of reliving all these adventures and i i can't wait to show someone um who i love the place that i love but seeing it through their eyes for the first time i'm quite excited by that oh see even that i'm just like oh she's just such a better person than me i I, I don't think i've ever i'm trying to think is there somewhere i'd be like i just really need curtis to see it and understand why i love it and i can't think of anywhere I don't I don't think my brain works like that. I'd be like, yeah, you can come to my mum's and I can't describe why, but sure. Like <laughs> cuz yeah, I quite so actually I quite like being at my mum's place. Um there's something homely mm-hmm. about it and I like yep. the country air and there's always this coziness to it even though it's not my family. It's not family home or anything. Um it's just some random place in Norfolk she decided to move to. Um <laughs> but it there's yeah, there's quite a nice kind of I think I always remember coming back from LA it was. Um yeah, it would have been LA and was it LA? It was in one of the up and down stages of my life. And I was at hers for at least a week or something. Um, and yeah, she made me a cottage pie and I took a picture of this cottage pie because she'd made it in a um, a cast iron kind of oh, little pot. So, so it's individual very British pots. And homely. Yes, individual oh. little cast iron pots. Um, and uh, yeah, I've, I can't remember when that was. Maybe, you know what, maybe that was maybe I was still married then I thought it was after LA but maybe it wasn't um yeah because I came back from LA in March in May and she wouldn't have made me shepherd's pie in May she's not a heathen well it might have been a very um, cold May it might have been a cold May I don't think it was <laughs> um <laughs> uh, she's not a philistine making shepherd's pie in May <laughs> anyway, wait it was shepherd's or cottage I think, oh, you know what? It might have been cottage because she was at that time raising sheep. So she might have gone off lamb for a bit. <laughs> Definitely need to do one with my mother, don't I? Because um, she, you know, she raised fabulous. sheep and ate her own sheep. Not ate her own. I mean, yeah, she, she raised them and then slaughtered them. And uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, my mum my did the same with pigs. So we can have a whole <laughs> chat about that. Well, also, my mum went through this felting stage. Your mum probably hasn't gone through a felting stage. Um, but I was what well, as in well, oh, it's not something sexual, not something sexual, not felt. No, no, I, mean, I can't even say the word. Uh, but no, felting, <laughs> uh, where you make make stuff out of felt. And I went to my friend's house, and she had like something made out of felt. And I was like, "Oh, is your mother into it as well?" And she's like, "Yep, <laughs> it's just like this thing that wow. mothers start to do." Uh, felting. Well, I yes. didn't even know so, it was um, a thing. <laughs> it was hilarious. So my mum, she. <laughs> She, she went to some sort of, um, God, what was it? Some group with a load of women doing some sewing bullshit or whatever. And she, she wanted to represent the four seasons in a cushion. And she showed me my sister. And we just pissed ourselves laughing because it just looked so bad. Oh. She just done this oh, no. big orange thing in the middle and then something just vaguely autumnal on one. And it was just like, you could oh. tell that she had this lovely idea. And it it reminded me of me at school on school projects. You have this amazing idea of what it's going to be. And then you leave it till like three hours before and you go, oh, this will do, this will do, this will do. Um, and it was oh, hilarious. So Bless it her. was more Quattro Stagioni than Four Seasons. <laughs> oh. 
What it a was shame. almost quattro formaggi, darling. But yes. Um. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh my love. Mother. Right. Well, you have a wonderful evening and a, a marvelous holiday. You too. And I hope um, I hope Alex um, enjoys. I've forgotten the te- no. It's not Terragotha. Where is it? No, Barcelona. You're going to, isn't it? Yeah. It's yeah. It's just it's uh, north of Barcelona. Because you say it with all the pro- proper accents. But thank you very much, and I can't wait to see you when I'm back. We'll have a proper natter and catch up then. Bye, bye. Speak to you soon. Love you. Bye.